Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. As you guys all know, I am your host, Tyler, and I am flying solo again on the podcast today, at least for one more day. We tried to make it work to where we could get Curtis or Charlie on the show today, but I'll take the blame once again for failing to make that happen this week. I told you guys on Tuesday's episode, my schedule, especially with my day job, is kind of all over the place this week, so we just couldn't quite get things aligned. I have some work things going on during our normal recording times this week, and that really just kind of threw everything off. I'm actually recording this episode during my lunch break Thursday afternoon because that's the only time that I'm going to have until late, late tonight to record anything, and of course, we want to make sure we get this content out to you guys to give you your Georgia football fix. So things should be back to normal next week, and I really appreciate you guys understanding that life just happens sometimes, but it's all good. I'm here, and I've got a good show for you guys today, recapping week two of Georgia's 2021 football spring practice, and honestly, it was a terrible week because the big news of week two was injuries particularly injuries at one position, and that, of course, is the wide receiver position. I did record an emergency George Pickens injury podcast last week, so I know a lot of you have already listened to that, and I touched on my initial thoughts on that injury then on that episode, but as you can imagine, with an injury of that magnitude, the mailbag questions on the topic have continued to pour in, so that kind of inspired me to actually go back and do the research to bring you guys the hard numbers to back up my thoughts, because Really, in reality, on that initial George Pickens emergency podcast, I was just trying to get that episode out to you guys as quickly as I could. So let's start there with more of a deep dive into the George Pickens ACL tear. And uh, we're going to let some listener questions kind of guide this conversation. We're going to start with a question from Jack. And those of you who listen to the emergency George Pickens podcast, you know one of the things I said, I guess this was maybe my central point, is that as much as the injury sucks and as terrible it is to have George go down, you never want anything like that to happen, obviously, for him or for the team. And while it's a blow, I don't necessarily think it's a death blow to this team. That was kind of, I guess, my central point, at least in that emergency podcast. And it seems like Jack's question is a response to my initial thoughts on that emergency podcast. And I really appreciate the feedback, Jack. And what he says is, I appreciate you trying to put a positive spin on the Pickens injury, 
but I'm not sure how this doesn't dramatically alter Georgia's chances for a national title or even an SEC title this season. Pickens was uncoverable, and there just isn't anyone else on the roster that you can say that about. Deep down, gun to your head, do you really think Georgia can still win the national title without George Pickens? Is there any replacing him? So again, Jack, I really appreciate the thoughts and I completely respect where you are coming from. Again, it is a blow. I'm not trying to say it's not a blow. Losing a guy the caliber of George Pickens, a guy who can make plays the way George Pickens can make plays, of course that is a blow to your team. It can't not be a blow to your team. When you lose a guy like that, you're clearly not going to have as many game changers on your roster that at least are available to you. And you want to have as many game changers as you can. And George Pickens has certainly demonstrated through two seasons game-changing ability. Maybe not consistently, but he has shown that ability, which does cause defensive coordinators to kind of account for him, not kind of, but completely account for him in their game planning. But as I said last week, while it is certainly a blow, I just simply do not think it's a death blow that effectively eliminates us as a title contender. I know some people have that opinion and that's totally understandable. I get where you're coming from. He is one of our top playmakers on the team and maybe the top playmaker on the team coming into the season. I think you can certainly make that argument, but I'm just of the opinion that we have other guys on this team. George Pickens was not our only playmaker. He wasn't even our only playmaker at wide receiver. So while it is certainly a blow that we're going to have to recover from, I just don't think it is this overwhelming death blow that means that we have no chance to win national title. I don't think that's the case because we've just got too many guys that can go out there and make plays for us. And furthermore, I do want to address one part of, of Jack's question here. And again, Jack, I completely get where you're coming from and I totally respect your opinion, but I would very respectfully disagree with the notion that George Pickens was quote unquote uncoverable through his first two years here in Athens. And I've got some numbers to back this up. So again, this is kind of, I told you guys, the emergency podcast is kind of just like my my initial quick reaction to the George Pickens injury news. But now I've had a couple of days to let it kind of just marinate my mind, digest information, also go back and look up some information and try to find some, some data to see if it supports what my initial reaction was or if I'm completely off base. And one of the things that we did at the start of this last football season was we invested in a subscription to Pro Football Focus to get access to the extensive amount of college football data that they provide. And they really have some great stuff out there. It's not just your basic stats. It's really advanced stuff that I think really gives you some great insight into what's going on in college football, who the best teams are, who the best players are, all those kind of things. So I'm really going to rely on Pro Football Focus and some of their stats. And look, Pro Football Focus is not perfect like when it comes to like grading players and their performance in each game like the formula it's not entirely clear to me exactly how they go about doing it but there's a lot more to what they do other than just like grading players they'll give you a lot more data a lot more information there's so many layers to it so i'm going to lean heavily on some of their data to kind of explain my thoughts here but let's again let's go back to this idea that george pickens is uncoverable i just don't necessarily believe that wasn't that's entirely true i just i don't believe he's uncovered was he a tough guy to cover absolutely can he make plays when he's got guys dripped all over him of course he can but george pickens i know he was injured for a couple of games in the middle of the season but he led us in receiving in exactly two games last year the last two games this season those are the two games that george led us in receiving if you're uncoverable 
how can you only lead your team in receiving two games? If you're uncoverable, even because what you normally hear is like, well, teams, they roll coverage his way, they bracket him, which they do to a degree. I think that's overstated some, but that, that certainly happens from time to time when opposing defenses are, are game planning for us. But that happens to all top receivers. And those other top receivers, they still find a way to still lead their team in receiving game after game after game. A guy like Devontae Smith. Yeah, I know Devontae Smith won the Heisman. So I mean, that's not the best example. But Jamar Chase, a couple years ago at, at LSU, right? Those guys, yeah, of course, every coordinator comes into those, game, into those games against those players wanting to take them away. But they still find a way to produce game after game after game. And George hasn't consistently done that. He's had three 100-yard games in 20 career games that he's played. And there's actually six games that he's played of the 20 that he's played with 26 or fewer yards receiving. He's only got one game with double digit receptions. That was in the Sugar Bowl back in, I guess it was the 2020 Sugar Bowl, but the 2019 season. And there's been eight games in his career where he's been held to three or fewer receptions. That, just those numbers alone, even if you've never watched the guy play, those numbers alone just don't scream uncoverable to me. And this isn't meant as a let's bash George Pickens session. I know that people are probably going to take it that way. That's not what I'm trying to do here. I just want to provide some context based on the data when I'm saying that I don't think losing George Pickens is a death blow. I'm trying to give you guys some data to support that assertion. Now, obviously, we are talking about his first two seasons. That also has to be included in this conversation. The guy is a young player learning how to play the position. I mean, he never went through a spring practice before this year. I mean, it, the first spring practice this uh, this spring was his first spring practice ever as a Georgia Bulldog. And there were clearly offensive limitations in his first season. And even most of his second season with a guy like Stetson Bennett as a primary quarterback while he was playing most of the season. I know JT came in and of course when JT comes in late in the season, then you see Pickens' numbers go up. So you, you've got to throw that in the conversation as well. I'm not going to completely deny that those things have to be included in this. And perhaps those factors make what he's been able to do, the production he's had in his first two years, even more impressive. And he largely has been a very productive wide receiver for us, especially as a young guy through his first two years here in Athens. And we've also, I think we've seen enough, enough to suggest that there was a really good chance that he could take his game to the next level and maybe become that uncoverable guy this season. But I just don't think he was uncoverable. And maybe this is semantics, but that's just that word kind of just jumped out to me in this question, the idea that he's uncoverable. And, and, and that's also because I've heard this from other people. It's not just Jack. I don't want anyone to think I'm, and I don't, Jack, I don't want you to think I'm picking on you, man, at all. I've just heard this from a lot of different people um, and, and seen this in different places that he's uncoverable and that you can't replace a guy like him. And I just don't think the facts and the numbers bear that out. He's been really, really, really good. I just don't think he's been consistently elite or uncoverable. But he has been good. And let me give you some numbers to explain why he's been really good. So this is from Pro Football Focus. His uh, career receiving grade at this point is 84.6. He's caught 92.5% of his catchable targets. That's a huge number. So only at three drops. This guy has fantastic hands. Uh, this is another great number. 75 of his 85 receptions have gone for first downs or touchdowns. He's got 35 explosive targets. And that doesn't surprise me because what he can do, what George does so well, what makes him explosive, it's not that he has home run speed. He really doesn't. He has good speed, but he's not like an elite burner type guy out wide, not like a guy like Arian Smith is, but he can win the 50-50 jump ball like no one we have seen in Athens since A.J. Green. 
Like, there's been no one that can even come close to what he can do in the year. I guess maybe you could say Lawrence Cager, when he was healthy, was close, but not the way that George can do with his body control, the strong hands, the leaping ability, all of those things. He, he's, he is a dynamic player. So he has undoubtedly been very productive and he's been a weapon for us on offense and showed signs of becoming great, that he has the ability to become great, to become consistently elite and to become maybe a guy that is uncoverable. But I'm going to stick to my guns and claim that that has not consistently been the case to this point. I just don't think you can have eight games out of 20, almost half of your games, I know not quite, but close to half of your games, with three or less receptions and only three 100-yard games in your career through two seasons and be called uncoverable. That just does not scream uncoverable to me. And again, I know this sounds like a shot at George, and I really don't mean for it to, but I think in a lot of ways, his reputation has exceeded his production to this point. I think we've gotten enamored, and I include myself in this, we've gotten enamored by the wow plays that he has made and kind of overlooked some areas where he's maybe not as strong as he needs to be. And sure, yes, as I said earlier, defenses have given him more attention and role coverage his way at times because he has been our best receiver. All that stuff, there's certainly rolling coverages, he's been able to dictate coverages to a degree, but you know what? Again, that happens to all of the top wide receivers out there in the country, and they still find a way to produce regardless of that because they simply have more mastery of the position. And that's what it comes down to for me when you're talking about George Pickens and his growth. Through his first two seasons, George was still very much a work in progress. The raw talent was clearly there. It was on full display plenty of times. But he was, if you really dig down and watch it closely, he was really very much learning how to play the position at this level. And I think that's a compliment. This guy's been so productive for us, and he still half the time doesn't really know exactly what he's doing. He's just going out there and using natural ability to make plays. And he's been that good. Just imagine how good he can be once he actually figures out how to truly play the position. That's what I was hopeful was going to happen this year, that all those lights were going to go off and he was going to be able to absolutely dominate this year in a way that he hasn't dominated because he hasn't been a dominant player. I don't think I just don't think you can say that. He has shown the ability to be eventually become that, but he hasn't been that. And I've been telling you for months that there were two big things that George Pickens had to improve. And go back and, and listen to the tape, guys. Seriously, this is not me just saying this, trying to, uh, I think, what did Jack say, that I was trying to put a spin on this. I'm really not trying to put a spin on this. I know I'm a George guy, and you're, you're going to sit there and say, oh, you're just a homer. You're trying to put a positive spin on this. And you're going to say that George is going to win the national title every year because that's just who you are and what you say. Look, of course I'm a Georgia guy. But I also, if you listen to this show long enough, I hope you see that I try to be as objective as I can with these things. And this is not the first time I've said this. I didn't wait until George Pickens got hurt and we find out he might be out for the year to say, oh yeah, well, he's actually not that good anyway. That's not, First off, I'm not saying that he's not good. He's very, very good. I just don't know if he's as good as some people have built him up to be in their minds. And I've been talking about how he needs to improve and pointing out the areas where this guy needs to improve since the end of the season, going back to like January. I mean, we've talked about this plenty of times throughout the offseason if you've been listening week in and week out. So this is nothing new, okay? But I just want to put this out there again now that we're talking about potentially a season without George Pickens. So here's what I've been telling you guys. There's two big things that he has to improve on. First, he's got to learn more than the X position. 
He is lined up, according to Pro Football Focus, lined up at X, which is usually where you put your number one wide receiver. It's the X position. He's lined up at X 91.2% of the time. 91.2% of his snaps have been at the X position, okay? For comparison's sake, Devontae Smith at Alabama last year, and look, yes, I know Devontae Smith's a different level. He won the Heisman Trophy, all those things. But I think we want George Pickens to be that kind of receiver, right? We want him to be that consistently productive, at least closer to that than what he's been through his first two seasons here in Athens. So Devontae Smith was Alabama's ex receiver last year. But here's the thing. He also ended up with the fifth most receiving yards from the slot position. Now, I know Alabama threw the ball more than we did, and they had a better quarterback than we did for most of the season. Obviously, all those things are true. But what's also true is that Devontae Smith knew how to play more than one position. He didn't just line up at X exclusively. I'm talking about this a lot, so I don't want to go into too much detail here, but Devontae Smith moved around. Sarkeesian, I know he gets all this credit for being this offensive mastermind. He's a really good offensive coach, but it helps when you have a veteran receiver like Devontae Smith who just knows the offense inside and out and can play multiple receiver positions. It makes it much harder for defenses to game plan to stop him. It makes it easier for you to do things to scheme up matchups that are very favorable to him. It's that position flexibility that is so valuable. That's what allows coordinators, offense coordinators like Todd Munkin, to create favorable matchups. If the defense knows George and be lined up in the same spot 91 plus percent of the time, he is just simply far easier to game plan for and is just relying on physical gifts to win routes, which works a lot of the time. Like we've seen those wild plays. We're like, oh my God, like this guy, how do you make that play? This guy is elite because he has those physical abilities. But he also has those games where he has 26 yards receiving, 21 yards receiving. It's like, well, why didn't he have a big game here? Because defenses know where he's going to be. And if they have good players like Alabama, like like he was, I don't want to say a no-show against Alabama, but you saw Alabama receivers running all over the place. And yeah, again, I know they had Mac Jones, but George didn't really impact that game. Why? Because Patrick Sartain's a really good DB. They know where he's going to be. When they know, when the defense knows where you're going to be and they have elite players on defense, they're going to be in the NFL, probably a first-round draft pick, you're probably not going to have a great game because there's not as much as uh, that, that our offense coordinator can do with you to get you in favorable situations. And all I've been trying to say for the past couple months is that for George to take the next step and truly become that consistently dominant receiver that is a nightmare for defensive coordinators to game plan for, he's got to learn more of the offense. And we did see signs. I want to give him some credit. We saw some signs that more and more as the season progressed, he actually did catch a touchdown pass from, from the slot position in the Peach Bowl against Cincinnati. So we saw more signs of it. But still, I go back to the numbers. You got to get the data here. 91.2% of his snaps from the X position. Now, of course, the majority of his snaps will come from that spot because that's the, the primary position he plays, but he's got to be able to be to move around more than he has through his first two years in Athens. So that's one thing that I've, that I've felt like he's needed to work on. Now, the other thing that he needs to work on, and I've said this before too, is that he he's just got to expand his route tree. And I've said this a couple of times, but I haven't had the numbers to back it up. So I went in and found the numbers to back this up. And here's what we got for George Pickens, okay? There's really three routes this guy runs consistently, all right? 40% of the routes that he runs are nine routes, right? Which is is a go route, a fly route, a deep ball, whatever you want to call it. On on the route tree, it's the nine route, okay? 29% of his routes that he's run are hitch routes. 12% of his routes are out routes. So put those three numbers together. 
81% of the routes George Pickens has run through two years in Athens, he's running three routes, utilizing essentially one third of the route tree. The formula that we follow with Pickens is pretty obvious. Establish him as a deep threat with his ability to win that 50-50 ball. Then if that forces defenses to play off, to kind of defend against that deep ball, then he breaks his route off by running a, a hitch or a quick out route. That's essentially what this guy does. If defenses get tired of that and play up on him, then he runs the nine route and tries to make a big play out of it. That's been the formula for George Pickens through two seasons, right? That's it. Um, that, that's been his game. He's not running digs. He's not running crossers. We're not running screens with George, corner routes, those kind of things. We're just not running those with him. And maybe you can put that on the offensive coordinator. I guess you can make that argument, but I just, a guy as experienced as Todd Munkin, you just got to believe that if George Pickens could consistently master more routes than more than three routes, he'd be running those routes. If we had more confidence in him to do those things, you just have to believe that. Uh, but regardless, he's so physically gifted that even if he's only been running three routes 81% of the time, that's still largely been enough. But it's, it's still not enough. I would argue it's still not enough to make him quote unquote uncoverable. He just hasn't really been able to consistently create separations with his route running because his route tree has been so limited. And in reality, I would argue what has made him so special in my opinion is that it's his ability to win and make plays while covered. That to me has been his greatest attribute to this point. It's those plays where you got defenders draped all over him and somehow he still comes up with this ridiculous wow type catch. That's what made, has made him awesome is his ability to actually make catches while he is covered. And that comes back to my original point about him not being uncoverable. Yes, he can dictate coverage at times because his playmaking ability scares teams of coordinators. And it's not, and this is not about his physical ability. He's got that. I'm not arguing against that. Like this guy's got plenty of athleticism. He's got all that in spades. It's simply just a matter of a young receiver learning the position and becoming more comfortable, which I was very hopeful that we would see him do more this season. Like, I'm not saying this guy can't ever become that. Of course he can. He's got all the raw tools. He's just going to learn. And you've seen him take some steps. He should just, he just needs to take more steps. That's all I'm trying to argue here. But because when you, like, you really only utilize about one third of the route tree and you line up at the same wide receiver position 91% of the time, it's just kind of hard in my mind to be uncoverable no matter how physically talented you are. That's all I'm saying here. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.
Now, let's move on like, to the more relevant question for this 2021 season is, is there any replacing George Pickens to the point that we are still a contender for a national title? That's another part of Jack's question here. And this is where I'll say, I, I, I agree with this, Jack. Um, I don't think we have anyone with George's specific skill set that can win the 50-50 ball the way that he does. So, like, it just depends on what you mean when you say, do we have anyone that can replace George? Do we have anyone that can do exactly what he does? No, not the way that he does it. But my contention is that we don't have to have anyone to replace George's specific skill set. We just need someone to step up and be able to dictate coverage. It doesn't have to be in the same way that George dictated coverage, but we need someone to be able to dictate coverage, to be that dangerous and pose that much of a threat to defenses that they dictate how coordinators structure their coverage, that put that kind of fear into opposing defensive coordinators. Now, will that happen this season? In no way can I say with any certainty that it's going to, that the answer is yes. I can't say that with certainty. I don't know. It remains to be seen. I want to make you guys feel better and I want to say, yes, sure, of course, that's going to happen. I, I can't say it with certainty. It does remain to be seen. We got to see it out there in the field. But I do think we have candidates. We have guys that can do that. We're going to talk about Jermaine Burton more in a few minutes. I promise we'll get to him. But it looks right now that he's at least going to be available for this 2020 season, this 2021 season, I should say. So I'll start with him. Jermaine Burton, at least once George went down, began taking a crash course and learning the X position. He is not George Pickens. He has a different skill set. But that doesn't mean he can't make as much of an impact or, and maybe even more of an impact than George Pickens has made through his two seasons. He's not the same guy, doesn't have the same exact skill set, not a carbon copy, but doesn't mean he can't make as much of an impact in his own way. I think, for example, that Jermaine Burton, even last year as a true freshman, no spring practice, was clearly a more advanced route runner than George was. He runs more than three routes consistently. He already knows the Z position. Now he's in the process of learning the X position. That could give us more position versatility. So again, a guy like Devontae Smith, one of the reasons he was so effective last year is that he was able to move around in different spots because he understood the offense. I think if Burton can pick up the X position here between now and the start of the season in September, then that makes him more dangerous because he already knows the Z position. He played the slot some at times last year as well. I also think Jermaine Burton is faster than George Pickens. And maybe not by a ton, but I do think he's faster than George. Uh, similar hands, I might give the edge to George. They're getting only three drops through his career was a 92.5% catch rate of all his targets. I mean, George has been unbelievable with his hands. That's one of his greatest attributes. But I think Jermaine Burton's got really good hands too. Uh, it's not much of a drop there. Now, the one thing that George really did give us was a deep threat with those 35 explosive receptions. Now, again, it wasn't like he did it differently. It was all about his ability to win the 50-50 ball with him. Like, But Arian Smith would be the other guy. He's my pick. If I had to pick one now, like, who's going who's gonna to be our deep threat guy? I think it's going to be Arian Smith. He's my pick to replace George as the guy that threatens defenses vertically. Now, he does that. He's going to do that different than George. I don't think that Arian Smith is going to go out there and win 50-50 balls the way that George Pickens has been able to win 50-50 balls. It's one of the things that's made him so special. But Arian Smith is unequivocally faster than George Pickens by, by a, a fairly good margin there. And by virtue of his speed, he can be that Jalen Waddle type threat 
to take the top off of a defense. And I'll also say that just because you are smaller doesn't mean you can't win contested balls. I'm not saying that Arian Smith is Devontae Smith because he isn't. Devontae Smith won the Heisman. He's like on a whole other level. But I've said this plenty of times before. I'll say it again though. Arian Smith and Devontae Smith, I think they have very, very similar physical profiles, especially coming out of high school. And Devontae Smith was fifth nationally in contested catches last season. The guy was 170 pounds. I mean, he's like 6'1", 6'2", whatever you want to say, 170, 175 pounds. He was fifth nationally in contested catches. And yes, again, I know he was the Heisman Trophy winner, but I'm just using him as an example because Arian Smith is similar to Devontae Smith in a lot of ways in terms of their physical profile. And, and it doesn't, like, let's even say this, like, I'm, I'm saying Jermaine Burton, maybe Aaron Smith, it doesn't have to be just one guy that replaces George Pickens. If we have three to four guys that all take big steps forward at wide receiver, guys that say Arian Smith, Jermaine Burton, Kiaris Jackson, maybe Justin Robinson, if we have those kind of guys take steps forward at wide receiver, not, and let's also throw in guys like Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint, who should be back by fall camp. Uh, it looks like there's a chance Dominic Blaylock could be back to start the season. So if a couple of those guys can just take steps forward, um, not to mention some of the tight ends that we have, even if like one of them doesn't turn out to be at George Pickens' level this season, with the way that we run the ball and force defenses to dedicate numbers to the box, someone is going to have single coverage. And I think all of those guys can win the vast majority of their routes one-on-one. That's really what it's about. When I talk about we need someone to dictate coverage, maybe it's just a committee that's dictating coverage. But we just need to get one-on-one matches. Because I think we have a number of guys, whether it's Jermaine Burton, Arian Smith, Kiaris Jackson, Darnell Washington. I even think Brock Bowers, I know he's a true freshman, but I'm going to put his name out there. I think he's a guy that can win one-on-one. James Cook. We have guys that can win one-on-one. So George did help us as he did create one-on-one opportunities at times for other players. But if we have three or four guys that all raise the game at one time, there's just not enough defenders out there to double all those guys. Somebody's going to be open. And I think Todd Buckingham can take advantage of that. So it's just about dictating coverage in, in, how, in whatever way you can. It might be different than what it looked like last year with George Pickens, but I still think we can dictate coverages with some of these players that we have. And I think we have guys that can win those one-on-one matchups. So I know that's kind of a long-winded take there, but I just kind of wanted to cover this as exhaustively as I could because I've gotten a couple questions about this. Like, obviously, and I understand like the the initial reaction there, like, oh my God, the season's over. Because that's the initial reaction I had. And then I thought more about it. It's like, maybe not. Maybe not as much as I thought. And I, when I went and looked at the data, I was open-minded about it. And maybe the data wouldn't support my initial thoughts. But most of the stuff that I found, like it, it seems like, yeah, okay, obviously, as I was saying, like George's been a really good receiver, done some really good things, 84.6 receiving grade, 92.5% of his catchable targets, only three drops, 75 of 85 receptions, gone for first downs, 35 explosive targets. These are huge numbers. But then you also look back and you're like, okay, well, you know, he's only, he only led the team in receiving two games last year. He's only had three 100-yard receiving games in his career. Only had one double-digit catch game in his career. And there's certainly context there with some limitations at quarterback and some of the players around him. But based on everything I laid out there for you guys, while it's certainly a blow to lose guy like George Springs, I'm not going to pretend that it's not. I would much rather have him than not have him. I just don't think it's this kind of blow that we can't recover from. I don't think it ruins any national title hopes or SEC title hopes for this 2021 
Georgia football team. All right, let's move on to the second question. We've got one more question here about George Pickens, then we'll move on to the other bit of injury news coming out of week two. And this question is from TJ. I really appreciate it, TJ. Uh, TJ asks, do you think that if George can't get back to the season quick enough, he will declare for the draft instead of coming back to Georgia? He already has great film from his first two seasons, and even though he may not be a number one draft pick, he probably won't go below round two. He isn't at that elite level, but he has the talent to get there. I'm praying he stays at Georgia for another year, but it is a possibility. Yeah, um, great question, TJ. I appreciate it, man. I agree with a lot of what you said there. I mean, you're kind of echoing my thoughts there that, yeah, he um, maybe hasn't consistently been at that elite level, but he certainly has the talent to get there. I think there's like, okay, there's a really strong possibility that George Pickens never plays a game again for Georgia. I think if I was, if I had to bet right now, like yes or no, is he more or less likely to play a game for Georgia? I would bet, uh, I would bet that he doesn't play another game for Georgia. I hope to God I'm wrong here. I just think that's like the most likely outcome here. There's guys, there's eight months. There's eight months for people to get in his ear. I and mean, this recovery, I'll say it's eight to 10 month recovery. We got almost a year for people to get in his ear. You just, and I, I, who do I mean getting his ear? I'm talking about agents, I'm talking about runners, family members, hangers on, any and all of the above. And you just never know what circumstances different guys come from. What's their family situation? How badly do they need the money? Is it enough for them to say, yeah, second round is good enough and I'll get that big contract on my second deal? You just don't know uh, what's going on behind the scenes with these guys. And, and, and that's the family thing. That's the decision that, that they've got to make. And I don't want to kill a guy for that. So I would understand if George, you know, he comes back and he's, even if he's clear, he's like, you know what? I'm clear, but I'm not 100%. I just don't want to risk my NFL future. I'm pretty dead set. I'm going to the draft next year. I, and I wouldn't fault him for that. I get that. Now, Kirby Smart in his press conference comments seems confident that George will stick around. And he knows far more than we do about the situation. We, we certainly got to say that. But, but I would say even with, with Kirby, it's just conjecture at this point. Like he, things can change. Even if like George is giving him all indications right now, yeah, coach, I'm going to stick around. I'll, I'll, you know, I'm going to, I'll potentially come back and play if I'm healthy. Things can change. Things can change. We just don't know. So I will say, going back to what I was saying earlier, while his film has a lot of the wow moments, and, and this is what you were alluding to, TJ, there's a lot of the wow moments that are tantalizing for you. You can clearly see his potential. There's also clearly a lot of room left for improvement on that tape. All it, but all it takes is one GM. Okay, all it takes is one GM, one coach. So you know what? I see, I see it in this guy. Let, let's go. Let's trade up and let's draft him. Right? Let's give him that first round. Let's give him the, in the top part of the second round. But I, I do imagine there's gonna be a lot of GMs that want to see more consistency from him. So I don't know. Like I, again, I have my doubts about him playing late in the season. Uh, I do think he can be healed and, and cleared by then. We've seen it in the past. Like I said on the uh, emergency podcast, a guy like Mari Rogers tore his ACL. I think it was the 2019, the spring practice of 2019 was back in September that season, then six months. Now that's unusual. That's a very aggressive recovery, but it, there's precedent there. Jane Hazelwood tore his ACL at some point during the pandemic, during quarantine. So whether it was late March, early April, around the same time, and was back by early November. So I, I do think that there's certainly a chance that George, a good chance that George could be cleared. Now, how close will he be to 100%? He probably won't be there. Um, and how comfortable is he? Is he putting himself out there if he's not 100%? That's what you just don't know. So I just have my doubts about him playing late in the season. I do think it would be probably cleared. I just think it's more likely than not that he does not play for us this season. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. And I, I really don't think he'll be back next year regardless. Again, I hope I'm wrong. That'd be amazing. But I just, I don't know if I see it. I, I just don't know if I see it, man. 
You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. So that's what I've got on the George Pickens injury right now, but his injury wasn't the only injury that we suffered at the wide receiver position during week two of spring practice as rising sophomore wide receiver Jermaine Burden, probably the guy, as, as I said, the guy that I think was clearly the op- the first option to replace George Pickens as our starting X receiver. He went down Tuesday with an injury that will keep him out for the remainder of the spring, but huge but here we were all able to breathe a massive sigh of relief. As it turns out, it is only, and I put that in quotations, only a hyperextended knee. And based on what I have heard, it's not in hyper, a hyperextension that's going to require surgery, which is fantastic news. I, just, I cannot overstate how much relief I felt when I heard that. Because honestly, my heart sank when I first saw the news. Uh, I was in a bad place when I, when I initially saw that news that he went down with an injury at practice. The way it went down for me is I had just gotten into my car after a tennis clinic Tuesday night. I picked up my phone um, and I had a text from Curtis just sitting there that very simply read, season's over. That's all it said, just leaving me hanging like that. That alone was enough to send me spiraling. Oh, like, oh my God, what does this mean? Who got hurt now? So I'm firing text off to people. I, I get up to, on Twitter, I pull that up and I see that Jermaine Burton's the guy who's gone out now. So I'm Again, I'm sending off texts to people, trying to find out whatever I can. And while I'm waiting to hear back, I'm reading that he was carted off the field. He's in extreme pain. All the same stuff I, I'm sure you guys were reading. But then I, I get word back that it's not as serious as it's being made out to be. So that eased my anxiety to a degree, but I still wasn't buying it fully until I, I got some like more confirmation there. And then, of course, by late that night, it was all confirmed as a hyperextended knee. And that's huge. I obviously don't want him to get hurt at all, but if he's going to get hurt, this is clearly the better option than an ACL injury. And it's huge because Burton, again, is clearly the obvious choice to replace George Pickens as the X receiver. And if he went down on top of the Pickens injury, and also let's not forget Marcus Rosemary, Jack Saint, who was coming on last season, had that touchdown in the Florida game and got hurt on that touchdown catch, Dominic Blaylock, those guys should be back, but are still right now recovering from those injuries. So all of a sudden, like maybe like if, if Burton goes down, maybe we're not a contender anymore. And I, I know I just spent the first part of this episode explaining why I don't think losing Pickens is a death blow to this team's title hopes. But man, if Burton goes down too, like there's only so much attrition that a team can handle at any one position. And, and maybe that's where Pickens' injury hurts us the most. It just reduces our margin for error. We just simply cannot afford any more injuries at that position. But still, fortunately, it's as good news as we could have hoped when he goes out, goes down with injury in practice like that. He should be back full speed in about a month or so, depending on the severity of the hyperextension. 
That's obviously better than our original fears, but it's still unfortunate. And it, it does still hurt us because Burton's trying to learn the X position so that he could step in for George. And this is going to set that development back. Of course, he'll still be in meetings and skull sessions and all that stuff. It's like he's just disappearing from the face of the earth. But nothing replaces actual reps at practice. Still, though, it's better than the alternative. So let's just hope and pray that this is as far as injuries go for the remainder of the spring. I don't know if I can handle another text like that. I just don't know if I can, if my soul can handle it. I just don't know right now. Um, and I gotta be honest, in the immediate aftermath of the Burton news, even once I got news like it was just hyperextension, I am. I just. I was like, I, let's just shut down spring practice. I think I even tweeted that out. Like, let's just shut it down. Like, is it even worth it right now? Like, do we really still need to be doing this? Uh, obviously, that's not going to happen. Um, but I still wouldn't hate it. Like, if, if they were like, you know what, we're going to shut down spring practice tomorrow. We're just going to have meetings. I'm like, okay. I mean, I'm kind of okay with that. But I mean, I get it. We all we need to grow. We need to improve. So that's obviously not going to happen. We'll we'll have G day, and I'll be out there. It'll be fun. But man, like now, it's just I'm on this constant anxiety train through the rest of spring practice. Just like checking the updates, talking to people like, oh my God, oh my God, like, am I going to get one of these texts again? Hopefully the answer is no, but um, hey, you never know. You never know. So enough about injuries. There was one more bit of news coming out of spring drills this week that really caught my attention that I wanted to discuss on the show. And that was the news that rising sophomore demons of tackle Jalen Carter is getting a lot of work at the five tech demons of end position along with Trayvon Walker. I really like this move. I like this a lot because I'm even I've I've had questions going into spring practice like okay look I know Trayvon Walker's our starter at at the five tech at defensive end but who's behind him like I really trust Walker I think he's gonna have a huge year for us I think he might break out this year but who do we have behind him I mean like we've seen the injury problem already who's behind like Tramel Walthour okay solid cool awesome but like is he a dominant player is he a game changer I don't know that he is so I've been kind of concerned like who's that guy behind Trayvon Walker. And with guys like Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, Julian Rochester, all three choosing to come back, all those three, all three of those guys playing on the interior of the defensive line, with them coming back, we have a lot of experienced bodies in there at the zero tech, that nose guard spot, and the three tech defensive tackle spots. And I'm not even mentioning guys like, let's say, Nazir Stackhouse, Zion Lowe, Tymon Mitchell. Plenty of depth there inside at the zero and three tech spots. Where we don't have a ton of depth is defensive end, that five tech spot outside. We need depth at that position. And if any of the guys that play inside are also athletic enough to play outside the five, it's Jalen Carter. I think that's pretty clear, right? Uh, I mean, he's the most athletic defensive tackle that we have by a pretty good margin, in my estimation. I mean, we have some good athletes there. I mean, Jordan Davis, for his size, is a great athlete. Devontae Wyatt's a good athlete. Stackhouse is a good athlete. I just don't think any of them are as good of an athlete as Jalen Carter is. I also think Carter's the best pass rusher we have from that position. Uh, but again, Walker's the starter there. Like, this is not saying that oh my gosh, Jalen Carter, like, he's pushing Trevor Walker. He's going to be the starter at the five. Like, no, Walker's the starter there. But there are certain packages against heavy offensive personnel groupings where a guy like Carter would be a better fit. And what have I been talking about for the past month or so? It's all about defensive flexibility. If you really want to start trying to defend these modern offenses that use hybrid players and they're very flexible with their groupings, you've got to be able to match that defensively. And this is just another thing that could give us more flexibility on defense. And honestly, you just want to get your best players on the field as much as possible. And I think Jalen Carter is one of those guys. Now, I, I think Jalen Carter is still going to play the three tech. I think that'll be still be his primary position. But 
it's re- I think it's really good news to see him also out there at the five because he gives a little bit of a bigger body type, but also doesn't really lack. I mean, he, there's not much of a difference in athleticism between him and Trayvon Walker. I mean, I would give Walker the edge there, but Carter with the size, the athleticism combination, uh, he could be a beast out there as well. It gives us more flexibility. So I really like that. and gets him on the field more because he's a guy that needs to be on the field. He's that game-changing type defensive talent that we just need to find a way to go on the field. We, we, like, I know he's not the same player as Adam Anderson, but just like we needed to find more ways to get Anderson on the field last year, that's one of the areas I feel like we really fell short defensively is we just did not get that guy on the field enough and he was one of our top playmakers defensively. I don't want to look back on the 2021 season and say the same thing about Jan Carter. Like, hey, this guy, when he was out there, this guy was a stud, but he only plays like eight to 10 snaps a game. That's not good enough. Jalen Carter needs to be on the field more and the more positions he can play, the more opportunities he will have to get on the field and make an impact and change games the way that I think Jalen Carter can. So I'm really excited about some of the things that we're doing defensively, whether it's you know Jalen Carter here playing out the five second times in certain packages, whether it's guy a guy like Adam Anderson playing some at star. I like some of the things that we're doing from a flexibility standpoint defensively. I think that's really going to pay big dividends for us when we go up against some of these high-powered elite offenses that we're going to face this year if we want to accomplish all the goals that we want to accomplish. So I think that's good news, and we'll certainly monitor that going to G-Day. We'll see how much he plays there uh, during G-Day, and uh, certainly we'll have that covered when that comes. But uh, all right, guys, that does it for me today here on the Glory UGA podcast. Again, I really appreciate it, guys, just having patience with us this week with my schedule being kind of all over the place. Hopefully, we will have things back to normal next week. Have Charlie and Curtis on, on the show and get their different perspectives. But thanks again, guys. I'm Tyler. Keep those fingers crossed. No more injuries. Please, dear God, no more injuries. Have a great weekend, guys. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>